0: informing america's farmers and ranchers it's adams on agriculture
1: produced by the american ag radio network here's your host mike adams Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture here at Midweek. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Hope you are well and safe. Lots of news to talk about today, as we had the announcement yesterday of the coronavirus food assistance program. There's a lot to go through there. Uh, We'll get into some of it today, a lot more of it tomorrow. One of those in attendance representing agriculture at the White House yesterday was the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Marty Smith. He will join us a little bit later on to give us the perspective of the beef industry. Lots of reaction coming in, um, some happy with the announcement but saying more is needed, others Uh, Feeling left out, we'll have a lot of reaction in the next few days to all of that. Also joining us today will be the CEO of the National Pork Board. Bill Even will join us to talk about the situation, the crisis facing the pork industry and what the National Pork Checkoff is doing to help. And today, we we couldn't reach him yesterday, but we think we'll get him today. Dave Carter, Executive Director of the National Bison Association, will join us to talk about uh, the challenges facing that sector of agriculture so a lot to talk about today But we're going to start things off with a special guest we have wisconsin senator tammy baldwin with us senator thank you so much for joining us here on Adams on agriculture
0: my pleasure delighted to join you
1: lots going on first of all i wanted to get your thoughts on the uh the cfap as it's being called the coronavirus food assistance program the announcement coming out yesterday of course in your state of wisconsin the big dairy state uh of, of particular interest to many of your uh, producers there that dairy producers are expected to receive 2.8 billion dollars after a 700 million dollar reduction because of of payment limits um, what are your thoughts on the package overall and how uh, much you think that will help the producers in your state
0: well certainly it's uh welcome news and i'm uh currently reviewing the USDA's announcement in consultation with um, farm groups and farmers in Wisconsin. So it's really good that the USDA has acted and is now utilizing the tools that Congress provided them in the CARES Act uh, to get support to our farmers right now. Um, but I'm one in the camp of, uh, we know we have a lot more to do. Uh, it's a good start, but we need to take additional steps for direct financial assistance for farmers in, um, our next, uh, major coronavirus response package.
1: Should be pointed out, farmers can begin signing up for the program starting next Tuesday. Um, Farmers will not receive all of the money right up front, and there's a question of whether the other part of it, the 80% will go to farmers initially. The remaining 20% will be distributed if there's enough money left over at a later date, but we'll get into those details later on. Uh, I want to talk to you, Senator, about some legislation that you are co-sponsoring to uh, address the needs from the coronavirus and uh, how you see this helping all of the economy, but in particular, we're looking at the agriculture part of it. Tell us about your legislation.
0: Yes, well, this is uh, bipartisan legislation I'm introducing today with uh, both of the U.S. senators from Maine, uh, Susan Collins and Angus King, uh, to help address um, sort of agriculture and food supply chain uh, disruptions um, so that uh... our farmers can get their products to market um, we've had a lot of reporting in the state of wisconsin um, in our dairy industry about uh... the need to dump milk because of uh, supply chain disruptions and there's a lot of reasons um, behind these disruptions during this pandemic um, and uh... right now we really want to um, create this much more flexible program um, called Farming Support to States Act so that state departments of agriculture um, can really fine tune this aid to the particular supply chain issues that they're facing. So by way of example, um, in Wisconsin, in the dairy industry, um, we have processors who process for uh, you know the grocery stores, retail customers, and we have processors who process milk for um, large scale institutions, uh, schools, universities, restaurants. On um, uh, corporate cafeterias and the like, and you can imagine that the orders have just plummeted for these larger scale food service operations uh, during the uh, pandemic, um, and yet uh, there's unmet demand uh, in, uh, in the grocery uh, retail side of things. So the processors, um, uh, which are sort of divided between those two markets, um, some can't get enough milk, others uh, have uh, too much based on, on orders. And, and we really didn't have a program before that could be flexible to meet those sort of logistics and uh, supply chain issues. Likewise, we have uh, meatpacking industry in Wisconsin, um, and because of outbreaks, some of those plants have had to uh, come down uh, temporarily, and that's caused a lot of of chaos, really, in the livestock industry, and uh, many farmers having to uh, call their herd at a time when uh, uh, there's still plenty of demand, but there's a disruption again in the supply chain.
1: It looks like you have support from the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture and the American Farm Bureau. That is
0: correct. And uh, not only is this bipartisan legislation in the Senate, but uh, the counterpart uh, legislation in the House of Representatives it also uh, receives uh, bipartisan support. Uh, I think that we're recognizing that um, the traditional sort of disaster and uh, uh, you know programs that we've set up to respond to either uh, low prices through insurance programs or uh, disasters like flooding uh, and and the like um, aren't really. Uh, aren't really a match for the challenges uh, that we face in this pandemic.
1: So do you expect quick action on this Senator?
0: Well, we have a, uh, a two-track strategy. We're obviously introducing this bipartisan legislation in both houses in hopes of uh, getting prompt uh, consideration, uh, because, of course, these uh, issues are um, are, are uh, if, you know are very very urgent. We have any number of farmers. Uh, who have uh, gotten through some really, really tough times, barely holding on. And this can be the straw that breaks the camel's Mm -hmm. back for them. And uh, so one track is to try to pass the legislation uh, on its own. The other is to uh, wrap it into uh, what we hope will be uh, another uh, pandemic response bill.
1: All right, Senator, thank you for your time. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin. Up next, the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Marty Smith, here on AOA.
3: information
0: america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now
1: back to mike adams cattle producers expected to get payments just over five billion dollars after the payment limits are Put in. It's according to USDA's uh, analysis on the coronavirus food assistance program details announced yesterday. There is a payment cap of 250,000 per person or entity. The cattle payments based on both market losses between January to April as well as the current herd. Well, one of the individuals at the White House for that announcement yesterday was the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Marty Smith, and he joins us now. Marty, thank you for being with us. Uh, That was quite a day yesterday. Tell us about that experience at the White House.
3: Well, thank you, Mike. Certainly always a a, a tremendous honor um, to to be invited to the White House. Uh, It says a lot about uh, where... National Cattlemen's Beef Association, stands with uh, the administration and the president. Uh, we we were there along with, uh, or I was there along with Zippy Duval, president of, of American Farm Bureau. We were really the, the only two uh, ag groups that were, were part of that ceremony yesterday. And it is uh, just a great honor to, to be there and to have the opportunity to talk firsthand with the president and also to talk with uh, Secretary Perdue. Um, in, in something like that
1: what are your thoughts on the payments for cattle producers and the formula if you will that that's used to determine those payments we are
3: still at ncva trying to dissect the uh the the, the formula <laughs> uh certainly uh, like a lot of other governmental programs it can be a bit confusing and um uh, you know, we had, uh, NCBA had submitted uh, quite a bit of, uh, of economic information to USDA. In uh, going through that process, we had a lot of discussions about it, and, and I think we all agreed that this this program is a first step. We understand that it is not going to put anybody back in a totally whole and complete position. We continue and will continue to, to, to lobby for additional funding Particularly uh, with this program, um, you know the, the CalCAS segment was probably not as covered as we would have liked to have seen. Is certainly not at the numbers that, that our economic projections were showing. But we continue to work with uh, both Capitol Hill and with USDA for some future relief in that regard. So it is a good first step, and one of the keys to it. It does get uh, make money available for everybody that has owned any cattle or does own any cattle. So I know that was one of USDA's considerations here.
1: And they also – yeah a lot.
3: Uh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I just – a lot to sort through, right? I mean, uh, there's the announcement Absolutely. and there's been some clarification, but there's still a lot of questions here.
3: There, there's still a lot of questions. Uh, one of the things that USDA had expressed was – they, they were under a lot of pressure to move very quickly. And of course, we got to remember that cattle have not been part of the USDA program and formula in the past. And so this is new to them as well. And they wanted to make it uh, as simple as possible. One of the big things that we have worked on at NCBA was the fact that a lot of our cattle producers are not signed up with their uh, and, and don't take part in Farm Service Agency programs. So this is a very abbreviated process for USDA as well, and we hope next week when the, the application process starts that it will work simply and, and uh, quickly as what we're told.
1: We're talking with Marty Smith, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Marty, yesterday at that ceremony at the White House that you were at, the president started talking about limiting imports of cattle from other countries. What did you think about that? Well,
3: I've got to tell you. I, I first off, I was uh, absolutely in shock. Um, <laughs> I was standing six feet away in a socially uh, responsible manner from the president, and as somebody said, said Marty, you could have stopped him. And I, you know, I didn't feel it appropriate to go up and tap him on the shoulder and say, "What are we talking about here?" I will tell you that um, had the opportunity to discuss this with Secretary Purdue, and uh, we've been really looking at this, because if we talk about live animal imports, that's primarily Mexico and Canada, Uh, in fact, only Mexico and Canada right now, and that those imports are pursuant to USMCA, that is the president's uh, program. I think, too, that, um, you know, in in talking with some representatives in the White House, uh, a lot of what he would have been talking about and what we really want him to focus on is the opening up of, uh, of Brazil for meat imports, not cattle imports, not live cattle. But um, you know, that was something that USDA had moved on right prior to the, uh, the, the the outbreak of the pandemic. And so certainly we'll use this as an opportunity to have them go back and re-examine whether that's appropriate or not. But again, it was uh, totally off the cuff. I mean, our, our president does that from time to time. And you know, quite frankly, I was in a position to to see what his his prepared topic or prepared notes were, and this wasn't anything that was on there. But uh, you know, he hears something and he reacts to it. So we'll be working with uh, with the administration and with USDA as we have. But again, the for, for standpoint of our producers, understand that the the to the extent that there are any live cattle imports, they are Mexico and Canada, and that is pursuant to. The treaty that the president uh, takes such pride in
1: so you were shocked were you concerned afraid he was maybe uh, getting into an area that uh, could hurt uh, trade relationships
3: I you know certainly it uh, it could because uh, you know we we particularly we obviously export a lot of beef to Me- to Mexico maybe not so much right now during the pandemic but they are a a huge customer and uh, they are a net we're we on a net gain on our trade relationship with, uh, with beef with Mexico in other words we export more to them than they send here so um, you know that's a concern but I uh, talking yesterday with some representatives particularly from Canada I think they understand mm-hmm. uh, what we all deal with in terms of uh, dealing with our government they, they have had similar experiences, and um, I don't think they're very happy about it, but uh, hopefully it will not interrupt or, or change anything with our trade relationships.
1: Finally, Marty, uh, your thoughts on where we're at with the packing situation and the concerns producers continue to have when they see uh, the money, the prices packers are getting, higher prices consumers are paying for beef, but uh, the producers really not seeing that.
3: You know that that continues to be a major concern. Uh, you know, it is something that at NCBA we continue to work on um, and and try to come up with better ideas. We we have our live cattle marketing working group specifically tasked with looking at how we market our cattle and the fact of uh, the the disparity between fed cattle prices and uh, what the box beef prices have done uh we have asked of course for usda and for the justice department to look into that they are doing that and we continue to work on that as an issue uh with respect to packing we do see uh this last week a, a much higher percentage of uh, or higher number of cattle that are being processed that are being harvested real positive step for us and hopefully we've seen the turnaround and uh We'll be able to continue to grow that. One of our big concerns is the backlog of fed steers that are that are building up out there, and we we now see all of our beef packing plants open and 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 picking up uh, on the number of, uh, of of head processed. And so, if we can continue that, uh, we can get rid of some of that backlog and hopefully start to build our our numbers back to something more normal and build our price structure back.
1: But it'll take a while to work through that backlog. Absolutely, it will,
3: and uh, we we are taking some specific uh, positions and work to to try to address that. One of the things that we want to make clear uh, is that the cattle industry we are we are not looking at euthanasia as an option. You know, we can't do that, and we've got to make sure that the public understands that. We've seen tremendous demand for beef throughout this process, and. We've got to use that for our benefit and make sure the public understands that cattle people are not going to not looking at euthanization as an option.
1: All right, Marty, thank you for being with us. Uh, quite an experience uh, for you there at the White House yesterday with the announcement uh, by the president on the coronavirus uh, food uh, program, the uh, the program we've been waiting for details on and still needing to get a few more details on, but uh, a big event yesterday. Thank you for being with us and sharing your thoughts on it. Thank you. Uh, take thank you, Take Matt. care. Marty Smith, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with the CEO of the National Pork Board. How the pork industry is dealing with this crisis. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA.
2: Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices. But they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: So we continue to look at the coronavirus food assistance program. Cattle, dairy, and pork producers, as well as corn and soybean growers, should get the biggest share of the $16 billion in that uh, relief program. Uh, Fruit and vegetable crops also eligible for payments. Lamb and wool producers as well more commodities could actually be added later we'll be talking more about that on tomorrow's program we talked a little bit about dairy earlier with senator baldwin from wisconsin just talked uh, beef with uh, marty smith president of the national cattlemen's beef association let's turn to the uh, pork side of this pork producers expected to receive 1.6 billion dollars after a 1 billion dollar reduction because of payment limits uh, certainly, it's a crisis situation that's been facing pork producers for some time now with this uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Let's talk about it with Bill Even. He is CEO of the National Pork Board. Bill, thanks for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for having me, Mike. Obviously, this assistance will help pork producers, but it won't take care of all the needs that are out there.
2: No, uh, it's certainly welcome, but uh, I think you're right, Mike, that uh,
1: regardless of whether
2: you're in uh, hogs or cattle or corn or soybeans or wheat, uh, certainly all of agriculture is under quite a bit of pressure. And uh, everything that uh, we can get for assistance is welcome, but when you think about the structure of the U.S. pork industry, um, we're we're structured a bit differently than say many of the, the say the row crop farmers are and so's been a lot of discussions around uh, how do we how do we tailor this uh, federal assistance based on the way the industry is structured
1: yeah a lot of those details yet to be worked out and uh the... Certainly the, the, the crisis situation though, that producers are facing now, we, we hear a lot, we talk with producers about having to euthanize animals and the backup that's going on. And even with plants opening up now, it's going to take a lot of work through that. Absolutely.
2: Uh, right now, as the data as of yesterday, our, our U.S. packing capacity on the pork side is about 80% of capacity. So that means every single day there's twenty percent of the pigs that should be getting into the plant and into the food system or not uh... we got a rough estimate there's probably at least over two million head of hogs backed up right now and every day that goes by that continues to grow now the producers are doing everything they can to avoid that uh... they've changed the diets of the pigs essentially put the pigs on a diet and they're really looking to uh... manage uh, pen size and pen spacing with their veterinarians but at a certain point here, uh, you're really left with no option. There's new pigs coming in from the front end, and if you can't get the pigs out uh, into the food supply, uh, some producers are having to do the, um, I guess, the unimaginable, and that's euthanize uh, healthy hogs. Uh, ground zero for that really is kind of the upper Midwest now, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota.
1: And there are issues and concerns with that as well, just what do you do with, you know, you euthanize those animals and then you've got some issues then.
2: That's right. So, you, you know, every state's got different environmental regulations. And so our pork producers and our state veterinarians are working hand in hand with state governments to just really de- de- determine how do we uh, euthanize these animals humanely, uh, deal with the mental uh, stress on the, on the farmers that are having to do this. And then uh, try to get those animals to rendering, if possible, or certainly in some sort of a compost it's It's a terrible waste, uh, and I think the producers I speak with, um, that's the main thing that 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 bothers them is they see the waste of uh, pigs they've spent their you know their career raising and not being able to feed people. Uh, it really bothers them.
1: Yeah, these are challenges and concerns on on multiple levels, that's for sure. We're talking to Bill Even, CEO of the National Pork Board. Bill, how is the pork checkoff uh, helping uh, producers and and the industry get through this tough time?
2: A great question. So the checkoff, we do research, promotion, and education for the nation's 60,000 pork producers. So our board active really aggressively very early. And we laid out three priorities. Number one, get the packing plants back up and running. We work very closely with the National Pork Producers Council and the North American Meat Institute uh, to um, really think about how do we protect the food workers in this country and make sure they're comfortable going to work. And it's because if you're running the plants and the plants are running uh, close to 100% capacity, it minimizes the waste uh, that's happening on the farm. Number two was dealing with the pragmatic reality of just depop and disposal, and that came into two parts. One is our veterinarians here at the Pork Board working closely with producers and getting them information on just frankly how to do this correctly, if if needed. And the second prong was how do we talk to consumers about the you know the issue at the farm and really help them understand that this wasn't the farmer's decision. And then the third piece is looking forward. And it's really about how do we protect pork as a brand long-term. And the checkoff has been deeply involved, spending millions of checkoff dollars, producer dollars, in these three spaces over the past two months.
1: We have this challenge of, as as we just described, the producers backed up with animals that can't uh, go to a processing plant just yet, so you got that back up and in some cases leading to euthanization. Then we have the situation with people in long lines for food assistance and it's just, it, you know, it's just a, a heartbreaking situation on both sides. Absolutely, Mike,
2: you're, you're sitting in a spot where the, the middle part of the logistics and the food supply chain just were not operating. And the industry uh, prides itself on uh, raising high-quality pork whether it's, uh, you know, niche producers uh, taking things into a locker plant and selling direct to consumers, or if it's uh, commercial-scale producers that are providing the food that you might see at a Kroger, Ivy, Costco, Walmarts, and the like. You know, we're all in this under our, we use our we-care principles. And, uh, you know, we look at animal welfare and environment and uh, protecting our workers and our people. All of these things hit home with us uh, right now. And I think the consumers out there that listen to your program need to know that the producers care deeply about everybody in the food system, from the grocery store on back to the people working in the barn. And we care deeply about the animals. And uh, these two things are really in a bad spot right now. But I would say the the good news is that uh, certainly the pork is safe to eat, as well as beef and poultry and and other food products. But the quicker we get – through this uh, logistics processing problem, uh, everybody will benefit, uh, particularly the consumer as well.
1: Yeah, I was talking with a friend just over the weekend who did not understand uh, why there were shortages of meat or higher prices uh, for for meat uh, at the grocery store, and they th- they were asking, was is there a, was there a shortage of of cattle or a shortage of hogs all of a sudden that uh, they had not heard about? They didn't you know, they didn't quite understand uh, the, the middle part of the supply chain and the processing part of it and the distribution.
2: Boy, you're, you're spot on there. And, you know, people are used to being able to go to the grocery store or, or used to be to a restaurant and pick up what they wanted, and uh, the system worked perfectly fine. There's no shortage of food in this country. It uh, doesn't matter if you're talking vegetable growers, grain, or, or meat. Uh, the products are all there. It's just a matter that with COVID, the virus is the enemy here. And the quicker we get this managed and keep people safe in that process, the quicker we can get back to normal. And I think the 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 message that our pork producers want to let everybody know is uh, they're out there striving every day uh, trying to, to raise raise food for people. And uh, they take pride in that. And we want to make sure consumers know that while you may not be able to find your favorite cut of meat in the in the grocery store, there's certainly options, and our website at pork.org, uh, you can go and get recipes there to maybe cook something you haven't used to uh, been cooking. And with mm-hmm. Memorial Day coming up, it's certainly grilling season now as well.
1: Yep, fire up the grills. Uh, one thing's really painfully obvious, Bill, that even though we're we're seeing some improvement, you know, you mentioned the packing plants coming back online and some steps being taken to get us back, it's going to take quite a while. I mean the the impacts of this the effects of this will be felt for probably years to come.
2: Yeah, certainly it's it's going to change the the structure and size and scale of mm-hmm. of agriculture across all fronts. Um I know we're looking at some of the the most severe impacts happening between now and Labor Day.
1: Yeah, when we look at but you just brought up something that I've been wondering about. Do you think this will lead to changes in the structure of the pork industry?
2: I think the answer is yes. Uh, it's unclear exactly um, how, how major those changes will be. A lot of it depends on the availability of uh, federal assistance that's been uh, delivered uh, through the USDA, how many producers are eligible, uh, what, what they can use to essentially pay, pay the bills between now and fall. And it's working hand-in-hand hand with their banks, uh, making sure that are they in a strong enough position where I'm willing to, you know, get my, I can get an operating note to kind of come out the other end of this tunnel. It's You know, frankly, we're in the same position as every other American are. Uh, we're trying to get through the, the summer and hoping for brighter days in the fall
1: all right bill thank you for being with us bringing us up to date on the activities of the uh, the pork checkoff to help the industry through these uh, difficult times and we'll stay in touch and talk more as we go along thank you very much thank you bill even ceo of the national pork board well we continue to look at the the announcement yesterday on the package that was announced Uh, wheat growers say that three major classes of wheat were unfairly left out of the program They're going to ask USDA to reconsider. We'll be talking with the National Association of Wheat Growers tomorrow about that topic. What about the bison industry? Any help for them and what is their situation? We'll talk with the Executive Director of the National Bison Association next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
2: information America's farmers and
1: ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to Mike Adams okay so let's try to go through some of this some of the high points here of the coronavirus food assistance program and again there are a lot of questions a lot of details and we're gonna try to get some USDA officials on this week to try to clear up some of this but uh, kind of going over what we know so you got 16 billion dollars, and there's the three billion for the food purchase part of it. But 16 billion in relief payments to producers. Expected most of that will go to cattle, dairy, and pork producers, as well as corn and soybean growers. But a lot of other commodities will be eligible as well. Fruit and vegetable crops eligible. Lamb and wool producers, and there could be. And this is something we'll have to wait and see. But other commodities could be added at a later date, if they can provide the information that will be needed to show USDA that they should be included. And that's part of the reason that USDA is prorating the initial payments to 80% of a producer's eligible total because there may be more commodities coming in at a later date. So uh, it starts off 80% going out. The other 20% will depend on whether or not uh, there's money left in the program. So that's uh, something to keep in mind as we go through this. Um, Dave Carter is executive director of the National Bison Association, and he joins us now. Dave, thank you for being with us. Was there anything in this uh, package announced uh, yesterday? Any any assistance for those in the bison no. industry?
4: No, we we were really disappointed, Mike, Um because we had the commissioner of agriculture in North Dakota, Doug Gehring, had convened a group of, of bison folks, uh, both private and tribal, to to put together some specific recommendations. And we sent in an analysis to USDA on the impact that was being felt by the by the bison business. And there were eight senators that sent in a letter on our behalf. But the uh, the thing that we saw in there was that the commodities that they, they covered, you know, the beef and, and pork and the like, were ones in which they said they had sufficient market information to show that there was at least a 5% loss. And unfortunately, USDA does not keep uh, data on the bison business <clears throat> to the extent that they do on our friends and the other commodities. And, and the the one price report they, they monitor is a, a wholesale uh, carcass report is the only thing that they offer. So we are hopeful uh, because in the package they said there's an additional $637 million that's being set aside that they're going to issue a notice of funds available that uh, those commodities can provide information on the impact that they're experiencing. And we're certainly seeing an, an impact far beyond 5% in the bison business, so we'll be waiting for that uh, that notice to come out so that we can provide the documentation that the bison producers need to have the assistance on par with our friends in in the beef, pork, and uh, lamb industry.
1: Yeah. Is the impact on the bison industry similar to what we're seeing in other areas of of the livestock industry?
4: Well, it's it's similar but different. Let me put it that way, Mike. You know, as we've built our business over the last decade and a half – We have built a strong demand in both the retail and and the restaurant trade. What's interesting, though, is that about 85% of the demand or more for the higher-end cuts, the tenderloins, the strips, and the ribeyes, that demand has all been in the restaurants, whereas the the retail markets, all the way from Whole Foods to Costco, has primarily been for ground bison. So what happened about six weeks ago when the restaurants shut down um, our marketers, you know, lost that part of their market. At the same time, the retailers were calling up and saying, "Hey, send me twice as much as you did last month." The issue is, you get, can't take a you know nice tenderloin and, and strip and just grind it up in, into ground bison, and and capture that you know that price. The, those those high end cuts, uh, they're about nine percent of the carcass, but about twenty five percent of the value. So all of a sudden, when you take them down to ground price, it it really had an impact. And so, you know, we had uh, our price dropped uh, for the the carcass price dropped uh, (coughs) over a two-week period by 10%. And that's not really captured in the reports that have been issued and the basis for what USDA uh, released their market data on.
1: We're talking with Dave Carter, Executive Director of the National Bison Association. Now, you did get some good news recently uh, when the government of Mexico announced it was opening up to U.S. bison.
4: Yes, we were really pleased about that last Friday when we got the call from our, uh, our friends at the Foreign Ag Service at USDA. Uh, we approached Foreign Ag Service back about two years ago with a request to to get Mexico open for, for bison, U.S. bison exports or bison meat exports. Uh, it's been a market that's never been available to our producers, but our marketers were telling us that they were getting calls from distributors and marketers in Mexico that wanted to bring in bison. So we went to Foreign Ag Service and, and filed a request, and they petitioned Mexico to to open their market, and it's been about a two-year process of negotiating the, the procedures and protocols. Um, but finally on Friday, we got the call that Mexico had agreed to what USDA offered in terms of procedures, and so that market is open. And that's going to be helpful for us, uh, because first of all, in anticipation of this happening, USDA invited a couple of bison marketers to go along on a trade mission to Mexico in November. so. You know, we have folks that have got established contacts, and I'm sure they were picking up the phone Friday afternoon to, to start making those calls. But the the other good thing for us is that the customers in, in Mexico, uh, a lot of the types of meats that, that they enjoy are cuts that we tend to be a little bit long on here, some of the thin meats and the variety meats. And so having those customers take up uh, some demand is going to help us balance our carcass utilization. So it was very good news for our business.
1: All right, Dave, thank you for the update. And uh, we'll stay in touch as as you try to uh, work with USDA and perhaps get some of this uh, assistance from the coronavirus food assistance program for the, for the bison industry. Thank you very much for being with us. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk with you again. Dave Carter, executive director of the national bison association. That'll do it for today. Coming up tomorrow, much more reaction to the uh, CFAP uh, announcement, Um, what various sectors of agriculture are saying about it and how much it will help, and we'll talk with some of those concerns that they were kind of left out, and we'll try to get more details and, and questions answered. Join us tomorrow. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for being with us on AOA.